Beloved brethren and sisters, uh, I interpret the, uh, the words of Brother Jonathan at the end of the last address that I've got an extra four minutes. <laughs> is that not right? Oh, right? What we want to look at this morning is the court round about the tabernacle, which obviously we have surrounding here uh, an area that surrounds the tabernacle structure itself. The first question we want to ask is, what is the symbology associated with the area that covers the court? Can you come to Psalm 65, because perhaps here we have an answer to that question. Psalm 65, we're going to read the fourth verse. Psalm 65 then, verse 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest, and causes to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. And as we look at what takes place in this court, brethren and sisters, I would suggest to you that this symbolises the means of approach unto our God. It is a place of preparation, and it is a court that is surrounded by, if I can make this work, linen curtains on four sides. Let's read of those. Could you come back to Exodus 38 where we have the description of those for us? Exodus chapter 38, we have the hangings of the court as they are referred to here described very simply it's in verse 16 all the hangings of the court round about were of fine twined linen so there's no embroidery work here at the moment we have purely fine linen white in colour and anyone looking towards this tabernacle would first perhaps be struck by this surround of whiteness and of course we know from scripture what fine linen represents don't let's assume it let's have a look at it Revelation in chapter 19 tells us what fine linen represents in scripture and this is what is first of all surrounding this tabernacle and the area it covers verse 8 of Revelation chapter 19 and to her speaking here of the bride was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints so here we have this court enveloped surrounded by righteousness and we know the basis of righteousness don't we brethren and sisters the apostle Paul what he wrote to Timothy made it very clear that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction and for instruction in righteousness and so our very approach to this place begins with the word of God and how rightly so 
And these linen hangings are supported off pillars. And these pillars that we're going to look at now, brethren and sisters, convey the period of time during which we can approach unto our God. We can have our, our next overhead. Let's read verse 17 of this chapter in Exodus. And the sockets for the pillars were of brass, the hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver, and the overlaying of the chapters of silver, and the pillars of the court were filleted with silver. And so we have a support, a socket, the Hebrew word Eden. And at the top of the pillar there is a chapter, the word Rosh. And so we have a span of time from Eden to the time when the prince of Rosh will come down upon the mountains of Israel, during which approach unto God is made on the basis of what he has instructed us to do. And so, brethren and sisters, brass speaks to us, as we shall see in a few moments, and demonstrate it of flesh. Silver the shekels of silver for redemption and so this span of period of time is the process of the redemptive work of God that's outworked through the Lord Jesus Christ and in this span of time where do we sit brethren and sisters how close do we sit to the very top of this pillar for indeed the scripture tells us doesn't it by way of exhortation that our redemption draweth nigh and if we could reveal the whole lot we see this process of redemption and our redemption indeed draweth nigh doesn't it brethren and sisters but just beholding those linen curtains just beholding righteousness is of no benefit to us all, at all unless we act upon what we see. And anyone who approaches unto this tabernacle does not breach this surround unless they find the door. And there was a door that was provided. But the door was different to the rest of the hanging. Verse 18 of Exodus 38 and the hanging for the gate of the court was needlework of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen 20 cubits was the length and the height in the breadth was 5 cubits answerable to the hangings of the court so here unlike the remainder of the hangings this door was of needlework and needlework comes from two Hebrew words to embroider and action and our righteousness brethren and sisters has to be worked out in our lives beholding righteousness is not what we're called unto we are called aren't we to be the servants of righteousness and therefore we are called aren't we as we approach unto our God to respond to the call that we are given this is, is, is beautifully portrayed by the words of the Apostle John come to his first letter just see how he, he brings together the two ideas embroidery and action 
is the needlework that is upon this door. And the needlework was on the righteousness, wasn't it? It was on the fine twined linen. First of John chapter 2 verse 29. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. There's the needlework, brethren and sisters, that we need to have in our lives. It's righteousness and it's the doing of it. Chapter 3 and verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Without the doing, there is no righteousness even as he is righteous and then we have a solemn warning just a few verses on don't we chapter 3 verse 10 in this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil whosoever doeth not the righteousness is not of God and let us take that warning to ourselves brethren and sisters he that doeth not righteousness is not of God. And therefore there is no approach. But we know from the words of our master that he identified himself as the door. He is the forerunner. He is the first fruits amongst many brethren. And so within this boundary that we have here portrayed is then a place of preparation. And that place of preparation could only be entered through the door. For indeed, by no other name are we saved. And anyone who entered that door will first see the altar of burnt offering, or the altar of ascending, as we found out this morning. Could we have our, our next slide? The the pictures here, I'm not going to say how accurate they are. It's just a little demonstration of what it may have looked like. I've added a bit to there because the, there wasn't a ramp in the, in the picture I found. We come back to Exodus chapter 27 where we have the description of this altar. Verse 1. Exodus 27 then in verse 1 And thou shalt make an altar of shittim wood five cubits long, five cubits broad the altar shall be four square the height thereof shall be three cubits and thou shalt make the horns of it upon the four corners thereof his horns shall be of the same thou shalt overlay it with brass so we have two materials here we're going to look at the aspect of shitted wood specifically later on in the week. Let's just take at the moment, it's made of wood and it is made of brass. We have our, our next overhead. What does wood represent? Well, wood comes from trees. But we know certainly, don't we, that trees are representative of men. Just take an example of Psalm 1 verse 3. We won't turn it up. But talking 
uh, of those that approach unto God he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters and then brass where did the brass come from here brethren and sisters well come to numbers in chapter 16 there were certainly additions made it would appear to this altar on the basis of what happened in the incident concerning Korah, Dathan and Abiram and we know how them in their rival worship and brother David will go into the detail here we shan't now had offended God and their end result was in verse 35 of number 16 and they came out of fire from Yahweh and consumed the 250 men that offered incense but then an instruction is given to Moses isn't it in verse 36 Moses is spoken to verse 37 speak unto Eleazar the son of Aaron the priest that he take up the censers out of the burning that had been used by Korah uh, uh, and, and his uh, congregation take up the censers out of the burning and scatter thou the fire yonder for they are hallowed the censers of these sinners against their own souls let them make them broad plates for a covering and so this altar becomes identified with the sin of Korah, Dathan and Abiram and they were set there these broad plates for a memorial verse 40 to be a memorial unto the children of Israel and therefore this, this altar was to remind Israel of their sin and so we are told in the epistle to the Hebrews that Christ is our altar in him we have our hope portrayed do we not come to 2nd Corinthians though in chapter 5 I'm sure we're perhaps well familiar with these words Paul's second letter to the Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God and we're back to the courtyard again surrounded by righteousness and he it was that was sent by the Father to overcome the rebellion of man. And in that altar were those broad plates to remind Israel of the rebellion of those sinners that we read of in Numbers in chapter 16. And of course the same idea is borne out in Numbers 21 we won't go there but that's where the, the brazen serpent was made upon a pole that those that had been bitten by the fiery serpents might be healed in Galatians chapter 3 we speak don't we uh, the apostle Paul writes there concerning the Lord Jesus Christ 
he was the one who was made a curse for us so here we have portrayed clearly the means of our redemption and how do we approach unto this altar brethren and sisters well again let's come to some very simple New Testament words Romans and chapter 6 because amongst other symbols that we could perhaps see in this altar one of them must be baptism verse 3 of Romans and chapter 6 know ye not that so many of us as were baptised into Jesus Christ were baptised into his death and our identification as we well know with that work that he has undertaken why verse 6 knowing this that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed and here is our means of approach unto our Father. How we identify with the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And upon this altar, as we're going to see in more detail through Brother John, the offerings were made. If we could come down, I'm probably a little bit behind here. <clears throat> that's fine come down another one we approach this altar brethren and sisters our basis is on the basis of us providing unto the father a living sacrifice that is our response is it not and it's beautiful how the, New Te the Old Testament brings that to us Numbers chapter 8 chapter preceding this in number 7 you have the offerings of the princes at the dedication of this altar and in numbers chapter 8 you have the Levites approaching but in numbers 8 verse 7 you have the Levites washed and the burnt offering was washed also before it was offered but these like Levites were not dying sacrifices verse 11 and Aaron shall offer the Levites they weren't to die here were living sacrifices brethren and sisters verse 13 thou shalt set the Levites before Aaron and before his sons and offer them for an offering unto Yahweh and we know from Romans 12 verse 1 how those principles are brought unto us that we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices and in order for us to do that brethren and sisters we have to be bound to the altar because the animals that were sacrificed were bound to the horns of the altar we're told that in Psalm 118 can we have a look at that verse 27 
Psalm 118 verse 27 God is Yahweh which hath showed us light bind the sacrifice with cords even unto the horns of the altar and we must be bound to our altar which is Christ as we read in Hebrews but in what way are we bound to this altar brethren and sisters well let's begin that thought by going back to the principle that's outlined in Genesis and it's in chapter 49 where again the idea is brought to us and here the symbology is very clearly the vine in particular the choice vine is the Lord Jesus Christ and we are the ass verse 11 binding his foal unto the vine and his ass's colt unto the choice vine on what basis is this binding taking place well he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes so on the basis of sacrifice that has been undertaken that we are bound unto the Lord Jesus Christ through his work First of Peter if we could chapter 4 because I, I feel that his words here are, are portraying uh, the same idea, a, a similar theme. First Epistle of Peter, chapter 4. Again, just simple words, brethren and sisters, but they, they are, I hope, exhortation to us. Verse 13. 1 Peter 4, verse 13. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings and that's how we're bound to the altar we partake of his sufferings as living sacrifices before him that when his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceeding joy and if we could come back to Psalm, the Psalms again if we could summarise what we've said about this altar I, I think these do it for us that we do present our bodies as living sacrifices and in this way we are binding ourselves to this altar verse 17 Psalm 116 Psalm 116 in verse 17 I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of Yahweh I will pay my vows unto Yahweh now in the presence of all his people in the courts of Yahweh's house. And that's where our mind is dwelling. And in the court of his house. Even in the midst of thee here it says is the offering of the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And those are part of the living sacrifices that we give. Do you know, brethren and sisters, this altar was God's table. We won't go there. Brother John will take us there, I'm sure. In Leviticus 3, verse 11, we read of the food of the offering unto the Lord. 
it was his table and it poses for us a question what do we by way of living sacrifice brethren and sisters bring unto his table well let's take the example of the Lord Jesus Christ John chapter 4 what do we bring unto God's table well under the law they brought meat verse 34 of John 4 Jesus saith unto them my meat is to do the will of him that sent me that's what our beloved master brought unto his father's table the doing of his will and if we could summarise in a few words what living sacrifice is all about it's just that doing the will of our father and if we could just take that thought across to the book of Hebrews and chapter 13 and bring it to ourselves as a response to that which has been set as an example to us by our beloved master verse 10 we've already quoted this without going there but we have here Christ referred to in verse 10 of Hebrews 13 we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle but verse 16 but to do good and to communicate forget not for with such sacrifices God is well pleased and here it is doing the will of God this is what we bring unto this altar and we ask ourselves and I ask myself how often do I bring this how ready am I to do that daily the altar of burnt offering as we saw this morning through brother John is referred to as a continual burnt offering are we continually bringing this to God's table brethren and sisters or not we ask ourselves there are many other symbols and time will escape us if we just have our next overhead just two more symbols to look at associated with this altar of burnt offering the first of them there was a ramp the reason for the ramp is given to us in Exodus chapter 20 neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar that thy nakedness be discovered thereon and the symbology comes to Revelation chapter 3 doesn't it concerning the saints that thou mayest be clothed that thy nakedness do not appear our nakedness as the holy priesthood of God called unto him we seek not to show our nakedness whether in the ecclesia or whether in the world and the other symbol anyone who touched this altar was holy because this altar was holy whatsoever toucheth the altar shall be holy 
And what a lovely symbol that is of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember the woman with the issue of blood? Who fought through that crowd that she might just touch him. Why? She knew he was holy. And she knew that by touching him as the altar of God. She could be made whole. She knew the principles that were there brethren and sisters. And we touch every time we read this word we touch and the more we touch the cleaner we become our thoughts then move on to the next item that was in this courtyard which was the lava again we've doctored this picture a little bit not being able to find the right one because I'm convinced that there was uh, an area beneath the laver in order for the feet of the high priest and the priests that were operating to be washed now there's a twofold symbology I think associated with the lava and they are linked we can have our, our next one the first is that clearly the idea of washing we can't ignore the symbology of baptism that is here and we can see that in the altar of the burnt offering and that unites these two pieces of furniture that are in the court round about he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but also we can see in this laver the place of washing a representation of the word so we read in um, oh, we'll come on to this in a minute but faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word bear with me for a moment I'll demonstrate why we put those two symbols up but you can see the connection between the two ideas it's faith, it's belief and that's the basis upon, upon which we approach unto our God isn't it because without faith there is no righteousness so he that believeth and is baptised but that is on the basis of faith coming by hearing the word well if we could bring it down let's just have a look at those ideas because we have a symbol also that without washing there is no cleanliness but without cleanliness there is no life the idea of uncleanness is an idea that leads to, to death and the, the symbology associated with the laver is that if the priest did not wash they would die they're told very clearly they were to wash that they die not and of course in order for us to have life we need to be baptised and we need to read the word without our spiritual intaking we die and before we offer living sacrifices it must be on the basis of our right understanding of the word of God we want to concentrate upon the word aspect this morning if we can have our next overhead and we can see how the idea of the word is used come back to Exodus in chapter 30 <coughs> Exodus chapter 30 verse 20 we have the laver or the lava never quite sure which way to say it described to us Verse 18 Thou shalt also make 
a laver of brass and his foot also of brass to wash withal thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar and thou shalt put water thereon for Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat when they go into the tabernacle of the congregation they shall wash with water that they die not and we'll leave it there for a moment come to Ephesians chapter 5 the process of washing described very graphically by the Apostle Paul here is ignored Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 Husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the ecclesia and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious ecclesia so here we have the washing by the word uh, and the word uh, washing there uh, in the Greek is a word that's also used for lava, the laver and therefore without us having a clear understanding and an application of the word of God in our lives our offerings are not acceptable and we're spiritually dead and when we read the word we don't just read it we take it in don't we brethren and sisters just as the high priest had to put his hands into that water and it had to do something to those hands it had to make them clean and the feet so likewise Psalm 119 the reading of the word has to have an effect upon us brethren and sisters doesn't it it has to sink into our lives and where necessary changes verse 9 the principle very plainly put here Psalm 119 verse 9 wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way how by taking heed therefore according to thy word we take heed and where necessary we act upon it we can see the operation of this in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout it can't we just think of his 40 days in the wilderness the temptation that he went through at the end how the word of God acted upon his mind like cleansing water to remove any human inclination to agree with any of those temptations he used the water of the word day in and day out that he might through that resist and so must we but what did the high priest have to wash they had to wash their hands we won't look it up Psalm 26 I will wash my hands in innocency that's our call isn't it that we seek to the best of our abilities to be innocent before our God and the word helps us to cleanse us in that respect I'd like to go to James chapter 4 if we could and let's just read that one James and chapter 4 verse 7 
James 4 and verse 7 Submit yourselves therefore to God Resist the devil He will flee from you Draw nigh to God He will draw nigh to you Cleanse your hands ye sinners Purify your hearts ye double minded And so this is our means of approach unto God Again this courtyard The place of approach We draw nigh unto God And in that process we cleanse our hands We recognise our position before God But then the high priest also Had to wash his feet You know there's no mention of any footwear Anywhere of the high priest garments Is there brethren and sisters No mention of footwear at all Their feet would have become filthy In the process of their work we know why there was no footwear upon the high priest because there should be symbolised the eventual fulfilment of Genesis 3 verse 15 for it was necessary that the foot the heel of the son of God of the seed of the woman should be bruised and therefore it was apt that the heel was not to be protected because this was to be the will of God and so the feet required washing and so do ours brethren and sisters because we need to consider our ways before our God and our ways need to be a way of action doing with hands and feet the things of our God you remember the Lord Jesus Christ we should look at this more detail later in the week how he washed his disciples feet and having told them that he had given them an example he said that this is what ye should do do you wash your brother or your sister's foot do you help your fellow brethren and sisters with their walk when you see a brother or a sister wandering a little bit do you take to them the word of God and its cleansing power and open it up do we do it to ourselves or are we wrapped up in all the other things we're doing brethren and sisters and do we think that we're self sufficient you see the labour was there to help the priests in the operation of their service that's what the word of God is here for us it's our guide and the water was there to be shared so is this word finally brethren and sisters how was the labour to be made the labour was made Exodus 38 let's confirm it from the looking glasses Exodus chapter 38 and verse 8 and he made the laver of brass and the foot of it of brass of the looking glasses of the women assembling which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation 
as the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated in the washing of the disciples' feet, our service, brethren and sisters, is one of humility. It is not one of vanity. We do not waste our time with the things of this life and the vanity that this world would seek to draw us into but with the things of the truth and the looking glasses did have a use but only when they were changed and we all have talents brethren and sisters that could be used in one way or another and that's our choice come to the epistle of James and chapter 1 James chapter 1 thinking of how this labour was made let's read verse 22 (coughs) but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves that's what we've been saying throughout this, this courtyard it's a place of doing not hearers only He goes to describe then in verse 23 the danger. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, in a looking glass. He's like to a man that's not managed to convert that into a laver yet. And if we're not doers of the word, brethren and sisters, then we haven't got anywhere to wash our hands. Verse 24 For he beholdeth himself That's the problem with the looking glass isn't it brethren and sisters You see yourself And goeth his way And straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was And the vanity of this life helps us forget the word of God brethren and sisters and that's the danger isn't it but the exhortation comes in verse 25 but whoso looketh unto the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein where can we see the perfect law of liberty not by looking at the looking glasses brethren and sisters but it's by looking at the water and the laver and seeing our reflection in that that's where our reflection rests do we reflect the principles of the word of God is that where we're looking brethren and sisters or are we looking at ourselves in the looking glass of brass we must reflect the principles of God in our lives we can only do that by looking at this word and seeking to reflect its principles in our lives so brethren and sisters the courtyard alone teaches us much we are called to approach unto God to offer the sacrifice of praise unto him daily to present our bodies as living sacrifices at that altar and then to continually wash in this word lest we die 
And if we can conclude our thoughts in summary by coming to Paul's letter to the Philippians in chapter 2. We might even just beat this board, you never know. Philippians chapter 2, verse 16. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither laboured in vain. There's the labour. Holding forth that word of life, in verse 17, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and I rejoice with you all. Are we, brethren and sisters, sacrificing in that way?